Welcome to Beers Business and Balls, presented by House Enterprise, brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com slash house for 20% off your order and for free shipping. We're back. We did some world traveling, or you did some world traveling. I did some, like, northeast traveling. Um, and we're back. We're recharged. We're refreshed. You had your vacation. Uh, you had your cruise. Uh, welcome. Welcome back to the continental U.S., my friend. Yes, and you did a lot of traveling with PLL, so welcome back to New England. It was, much, uh, it was exciting in different ways. I did not get to sit my ass on an island like you did. But. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was nice to detach. It's nice to do nothing. So put on a couple pounds because it's all you can eat and drink. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. There was one point where the cruise ship had a go-kart right like track on the top of the ship and we did it the last day um so like my whole family can do it like all 14 of us and like the max like it was like a 300 pound weight limit for the thing but they have a scale and i'm like bro like no one hears 300 <laughs> yeah, like, that's fucked like up. come on like what the fuck and like so you're going on the scale and then like i step on it i'm like yep that is a quick 10 pounds from eating and drinking i mean i dropped I dropped it in a week because I, then you go back to like a normal, like drinking water every day and like not Instead of eating. waking up and having a rum and Coke for breakfast. I mean, yeah, with the unlimited booze package, like I was averaging like 20 drinks a day. Holy shit. But it's like, again, some of the stuff's like so watered down, but then like right. you start at nine, you don't go to bed to one. You're just like steady drinking. And then like, I don't eat three meals a day on the regular. You're eating three meals a day. And it's like, every fucking dinner is a four course meal. Like you sit down and they're like, okay, like you get a super salad, two appetizers and entree and dessert. It's a five course. And like, and it's obviously very good food. So you're like going to eat it. It's like spring break with good food. It's ridiculous. So cruises are nice. I mean, knock on wood. I mean, no COVID for me, which was cool. Um, but good good week of travel and back to a routine back to a routine we'll finally watch some yankees because yes. that was you know with no wi-fi and shit very limited i was like either a day behind and stuff or like paying up the wazoo to like stream for a second but you had to pay to stream stuff like did you, you have got to pay like wi-fi you get like like my room and package got like 500 minutes free that's dumb they charge by minutes yeah oh i mean that's the thing cruises are like affordable to do and then if you like really want to do shit like it starts to cost stuff yeah so it's like i mean i i'll never not do a cruise that's not you know all inclusive of like the the booze and stuff he's like when you break it down it's like you get your money's worth and drink and everything but it's probably pretty similar yeah yeah you, you well i mean like you get you gotta spend your money's worth right i like yeah you, you know, have to be drinking and eating quite a bit yeah, but like the no the no Wi-Fi and stuff. I mean, it, it was good so you can actually like enjoy your vacation. But like if you like had to work and stuff, you have to pay like you could have like bought like a $300 package for unlimited the entire trip. But it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like the point is the point's not to do that. Right? Yeah, it's like, I used the 500 minutes and, and that was it. I wasn't going to pay more. Right. So would you would you do it again? Would you do a cruise again? Oh, 100%. 100 percent here's my thing like what you you make your point first because then i'm going to switch it up switch it up with my hot take it's nice if like depending on like what your vibe is like 
we just went straight to Bermuda. So it was like four days in port at Bermuda. So it's like, okay, like if I was doing that at a hotel, like you had to fly down, do all that stuff, but then none of it's included, you know, your transportation, any excursions that you wanted to do wouldn't be at a discounted rate getting to the beaches. Like we had full service to go to the beaches, get to walk around, then went back and like, didn't have to pay for dinner every night because it's like, it was already included. Didn't have to pay for breakfast in the morning. It was already included lunch. Like, unless you were on the boat for lunchtime, you know, you, you had to pay for lunch, but it was, it was nice in that fact. And then like the days of travel, you didn't feel like traveling because it's like, you know, you're going from New York to Bermuda, but you know, I was sitting by the pool. I was at the casino. I was, you know, sunbathing. I was reading. I was doing a bunch of stuff where it's like, you can't do that normally. Yeah. I hear you. I, so my, my big thing on cruises, I've never been on one. Let the, let me air that out first so that I'm not clouding anyone's judgment here. I just don't like the thought of being stranded on a boat in the middle of nowhere, potentially. Well, you don't feel like you're on a boat. So and that might just be me because it's like, I have sea legs. Like my sister kind of got like a little like seasick and stuff, but like, she's also, you know, one where it's like, she saw the horizon and got like panicky where it's like, when you're walking around, you really don't feel like you're on the water. Yeah. Like, that's- unless you look out and then it's like, oh shit, that's hundreds of miles of ocean. But like the ships are so big and you can avoid windows and outside if you really wanted to. Right. Like, I mean, I just, my, I was just on the ferry a couple days ago and you can feel the ferry. Oh, yeah. right? You can feel it move left to right. And that's what I just envision a cruise as with like just days of being on that boat. And I'm also really spooked with when COVID hit or when like, even before that, when like the food poisoning, everybody gets food poisoning on cruises, which is my first impression of them, which I guess it doesn't happen as much anymore. So whatever. Um, I don't know. I just feel like there's too much shit that could go wrong on a cruise that I'd be constantly worrying and not enjoying my vacation. Yeah. I mean, with like the COVID stuff, like they were definitely very strict about that. Like you had to get, you know, a COVID test, like one, all the employees were wearing masks. You had to get a COVID test, like no sooner than four. It had to be within 48 hours of departure. Yeah. And then you had to be fully vaccinated and then you also like couldn't get into the country of, of Bermuda without like certain things. So it's like never once did I, I feel, and also it wasn't at full capacity. So like our ship was like one of the biggest in the world. It was like 20 something stories and they were only running on like 50, 60%, which was like 1500 people. Right. So it's yeah. like, I don't know. And I like be every, talked into it, I you think, can't, but... you can't walk into any room without hand sanitizing. That's good. I mean, I, yeah, I, I would, maybe I'll change my mind. I think I'm at the point where like, if I get a free cruise then great, I'll go. Or if I get like a significantly discounted cruise, then maybe depends on where, but maybe that's, maybe that's the youthful voice in me. I don't know. Maybe it's time to grow up and go on a cruise. It's fun. It's fun. I mean, it's like, if you do it, if you do it right, it can be fun and also pick like the right destinations too. Uh, Yeah. Like Bermuda's cool. Like Florida, I, I feel like I would just want to fly, you know, like I would just oh, want to yeah. fly. And Unless like you started in Florida, then right. like maybe, but I mean, it was nice like leaving out of New York because it's like no travel time was needed. 
I think a cruise like down the Rhine River in Germany would be cool. A lot of people cool. do that. I'd like to do Alaska. That's um, actually interesting as well because that's like the only way you can travel over there. Yeah, like when like my family we did Hawaii a few years ago, and like that was an awesome cruise because you got to go to every island, right? And you didn't have to pay for a hotel or flights in every island. Like yeah, yeah. your your hotel is your is your cruise ship, and your flights to the island are the you know, half a day ride it takes. Yeah. That's so talking that cruises. Cool. That's talking cruises. I, I don't know. I'm still, I'll, I'll come around. I'll come around eventually. Let's move to beers. Um, I, I've got a lot of good beer on my list uh, to stockpile for future weeks. We'll start with you. Um, last time it was a Dubai beer. Well, not a Dubai beer, but a, an international beer. Are you going to break the theme here? Or are you going to go with another one from the cruise potentially? Um, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. I can go I, first while you look. Yeah, you can go first. Cool. I'll tell you what, these past few weeks, a uh, lot of good beer has been flowing. Um, did some places in Connecticut, did some places um, where else? I don't even know where else. Like maybe Massachusetts or an island. Um, but Charlotte, North Carolina, man, I'll tell you, did not expect it to be as good as it was. And Charlotte beer, I'm going to make, I'm going to say something stupid. I think it's top five in the nation. Charlotte beer culture, I think top five in the nation, maybe um, even top three. I'd agree on the top five. I don't know top three, but. I mean, again, it's it's the it's the HQ of Untapped. They have one of the biggest beer festivals in the country. Yes, the uh, Untapped Beer Festival's down there. Yeah, yeah. they have uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of breweries and a good variety of stuff and a lot of innovation in the beer scene too in Charlotte, where it's like you can get like the places that you pay by the ounce and the beer that comes from underneath the glass. Right. So I, I I definitely agree on the top five. Yeah, it's grown to be very interesting. I'll have a TikTok coming too of my time at the Charlotte Beer Garden. Uh, shout out good friends, Nick Line, Cam Lewis, Andrew Nolan, a few others uh, down in Charlotte showing me a good time. Charlotte Beer Garden is a three-level, technically it's a restaurant, but it turns it kind of like clubby at night. Three levels, one of them's a roof. It's the largest amount of draft beers in a restaurant in the world. That was just fascinating. I was like, my mouth was, my jaw dropped when I walked in there. I said, holy shit, at least 10 times. Um, that's an elite place. So if you're in Charlotte, Charlotte Beer Garden is a place to go. Um, I've never spent any time in Charlotte before I did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you and I just flew through there a couple of months ago, and that's all I've really ever done. I've only flown into Charlotte. Um. I've never got off the plane and ventured off and holy shit. I was missing a lot. Like that's a really cool city. Um, banking everywhere. There's like skyscrapers. It was a big city feel, you know, like I, I've kind of felt at home, you know, strutting the, through the streets. I'm like, it's good pass for New York or Boston. Um, I'm going to go with wooden robot brewery. Very popular in Charlotte. There's at least two locations one of them in the South end and the South end, this big strip of stuff to do. There's food, there's beer, there's um, what else? I mean, there's clubs and bars. If that's what you're into, you know, everybody goes like 
it's one of those that at midnight and one o'clock it is still popping. Like there's Ubers, there's a bunch of people in the street, all that kind of shit. So we went to Wooden Robot, had a few different beers there, but I will shout out Pineapple Cherry Pool Pounder. This was a sour and I just tasted it. Um, the other beers were good. I had Pops Pilsner, which was pretty good. Nice, refreshing one. Overachiever IPA was a really good one as well. Shout both of those out too separately. But this pineapple cherry pool pounder was delicious. I That's gave it a three seven five for a sour. Um, and I don't really go, I don't venture into the fours with sours too much. This was really good. It was refreshing. I thought it had a very complimentary taste of pineapple and cherry to beer. Because, you know, when you have sours, it's like, oh, way too fruity. You're like, oh, this just tastes like beer with, like, maybe a drop of fruit. This was perfect. Kind of felt like I was drinking juice that was spiked. Um, I mean, perfect cookout beer. This is something that, you know, you can crush maybe two, three of these, and then you switch over to, like, Miller. You switch over to whiskey, depending on what the night is, or maybe, like, a vodka soda or some shit. 375, that's a review from Wooden Robot. It was the best beer that I have had that fits this mold. It's like a fruity sour. I think the best, uh, the best combination of flavors this year that I've had in a beer. Delicious. So what is like Charlotte known for? As far as like what, just the city or no, like their beer, like they were, I got conflicting answers when I asked this. Because the IPAs are, they just make a bunch of New England IPAs, which is cool. Like, all right, everybody does that. But I, I was getting like lighter beer vibes. Like there were a lot of Hefeweizens and yeah. lagers and shit like that. And I don't know if that's by design. I could be making a claim that's totally false. But like, I, I just got, I, I, no one was able to answer that straight for me. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, the IPA that I had was delicious. Overachiever, I gave that a four. Um, what else? I had one more. It was, um, oh, another one real quick was good morning Vietnam from wooden robot. It was a cream. No, it was a, uh, it was a coffee IPA or something like that, but where the hell is it? Good morning Vietnam. It was, oh fuck. What do they call it? It's a coffee vanilla Blondale. And it originally, like, it was my first beer of the night. They said, eh, you know, it's it's going to sound like it's really dark and heavy, but it's good and light. And I'm like, I don't really trust this. Like, I, I was thinking more of, like, a Pilsner or something to start me off. Had a little sip, and I'm like, holy fuck, this is delicious. It was so light. It was Good Morning Vietnam. It's one of those beers that it's like you're expecting to just kick your ass and you're like, instead, oh my God, I can drink 10 of these. Right. 5% coffee vanilla Blondale um, with Ethiopian coffee from, from some roasters nearby. They say it's approachable and complex. And I mean, Wooden Robot was, I think, this was the best new brewery that I've been to that's not in Cincinnati this year. Shout out Deadlow. We can't <laughs> we can't disparage Deadlow. Good friends of the program. Yeah. Um, I think best net new brewery that I have been to this year goes to Wooden Robot. They yeah. had some good shit, man. Really good. Sounds good. Yeah. 
I, I was very impressed. And then I had, uh, what was it? An Edmonds Oast PB&J beer later on in the night. That's a Charleston area company we've reviewed here, but that was fucking good too. Good beer. Everywhere in North Carolina, Charlotte, put it on the map. Maybe we'll have to go on tour there. Yeah, that is to probably the next. Uh, we got to hit up Josh about Baltimore. See if we get the Guinness one. We still need no. to do that, but Charlotte would be good. I did finally have the Miami Weiss. That was oh. on the ship, but I won't be reviewing that. Um, it <laughs> was good. Though. Beers. Yeah, we. I mean, we already we already uh, we said did, what we needed to say about yeah. that. Yeah, I'll do the one that I posted just because it was a cool a cool experience. So the cruise stopped down in Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Virginia, and Smart wow, Smart Mouth Brewery or Beer Company, Smart Mouth Brewing Company made a beer for the American Rover, which is an old sailboat that does river or, you know, bay cruises of Virginia beach. And it was a, um, three sheets to the wind, 6% Heffenwise. Um, it was a cool story about, you know, the sailboat itself. It was made exclusively for the sailboat. So like, you can't get it at the brewery. You can only get it on the boat, which I thought was like a cool little experience. And it was, you know, that German style, um, hazy golden tone Heffenwise that like just hit you in the mouth and was super refreshing. Had hints of clove and banana, but not too strong. Like it kind of reminded me of banana bread a little bit, which is why I liked it. Um, which is kind of like surprising for like those lighter beers because banana bread's a little bit heavier, but I give it a four out of five. I think the experience itself was also just cool that like, you know, you're having the beer on the sailboat it's made after like a, just an ice cold beer while you're just like sitting in the sun. So four out of five for me, um, smart mouth. They, I looked at their, you know, untapped and following as well. They, you know, the, a lot of people rate them highly in Virginia. So I'm glad I got to, uh, you know, couldn't get the chance to stop at the brewery, but at least had some of their beer. So four out of five for me. Is it, so is it, is it called three sheets to the wind? Is that what? Yeah. Interesting. So does that factor, I think you just mentioned, factored into your rating that you can only, the exclusivity. How much does exclusivity play in these rankings, I wonder, you know? I think I it's feel like cool. it subliminally like, does. It does because it's like, I don't know, for like specific, like when you go traveling and you don't get to like go to the brewery, it's like, okay, like you go into the liquor store or wherever you buy beers at other places. And if it's like heav- heavily, you know, available it's like okay you know you get to try stuff and see what people say on untapped but you know i kind of compare it to when heady topper and focal banger used to be like very hard to get where it's like that was a treat if you got those beers and now they're like and you know for many people that was like their first taste of uh oh shit this is a very good ipa to now it's kind of like an average i like above average ipa but there's places that make them much more better now but you used to not be able to, you know, even get your hands on it. Yeah. So I think, I, I think it does add, add the factor. You just mentioned heady banger or heady topper and focal banger, but they combined uh, why you had me thinking they combined like a bunch of people. That was an untapped movement where they just started mixing the two and calling it heady banger heady banger yeah <laughs> i thought that's so fucking funny they deleted it but i just looked it up yeah and i've, I've only been to the alchemist once yeah but 
but I've had that beer multiple times. I mean, anytime I go up to Vermont, I always, you know, again, it used to be hard to get where it's like, Oh, this place has it. And you got to get it on your way back because like, that's when their shipment comes. But now you can go to like any deli, any restaurant, any liquor store. And it's like, Oh, it's right there. They probably have the Alchemist beer. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, it's good because it's like, they, you know, got their production out, but it's not a treat anymore. Right. I agree. Just doesn't hit the same as like Trillium up here anymore, which I think I'm overdue on. I, I still have too much beer in my fridge though. I have main yeah. beer, which. I still I have like do. a lot of like heavy stuff that I'm kind of like. Eh. Yeah. It's like all the stuff from Treehouse and stouts and porters where it's like, yeah, maybe I'll bake something with it. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. You could marinate make like some, a marinate something. Like beer braised, you could do beer braised meat of all kinds. Yeah. It's just a hassle. Who has seven hours to cook? Yeah. We just got something from Whole Foods, Harpoon IPA, um, Bratwurst. Oh, that's probably pretty good. Yeah. So it's again, you can do shit like that, but then you have to like prep. I'm past Bratwurst isn't that terrible though. You just put it in a pot. Or well, actually, no, you need to you need to grill it. Yeah. You, you need to grill it, it but then you also need to like for the beer to sit, you really got to do it 24 hours before. And you need some good ass sauerkraut, like homemade yeah. beer braised sauerkraut with that kind of shit. It's a process. It is. It is. Cooking with beer is a process for sure. But I mean, we did remember we made corn uh, corned beef, not the St. Patty's Day, the, the one before. It was that was a pain in the ass, but it was good. Yeah. And like, again, you're only making it for one day. So it's like, you're going to spend the time, but actually we did that twice when we lived together. It was yeah, right when COVID hit. Oh no, we fucking didn't do that. Cause we bought we... it. We bought it. Yeah. Maybe we did it once, but we used well, our beer. It. Yeah. Uh, we used our beer. The second time we did it, I'm pretty sure. Or am I confusing beer cheese? Well, no, we used our beer for the beer cheese, but I've, no, like we because use we used beer. Treehouse for no, 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 no. We used Treehouse. We used a Heady Topper. We used Heady Topper for the um the corned beef. And then we used the IPA for like a chicken or steak. No, we used proper 12 whiskey for a steak one time, and then we used IPA for like a chicken glaze. What the hell, man? So we've done it before. It's just not. Again, yeah, we had when we had five hours to spare. Yeah, like now it's just kind of like I'll eat a grilled cheese for dinner. <laughs> Not even I'll just eat the bread and cheese. <laughs> bread and cheese. Yeah, I don't have time to. I don't have thirty seconds to grill it. Yeah, nor do I want to. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, that's beer. Uh, the roundabout way for beer today. Uh, Charlotte and Virginia. Very cool. Very cool markets. Um, I'm telling you, we went to make a trip to Charlotte. Yeah. It might be untap beer festival might be on tap. Uh, I think it, I think we missed it. We did. We missed it by a couple months this year. We'll be back. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll back. plan accordingly. Yes. All right. Let's go to business. Zayden Monty's here with us. Everybody's favorite business content creator. He was one of the OGs and maybe, you know, he might have to be guest number. I don't know. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Maybe he needs one more appearance for the hall of fame. Yeah. We can't hand it out. Nilly Willie. I know he, he is it, up there. He though. Is, 
he is on a, a short list of candidates for the next Hall of Fame. Like it's he's like kind of like a Jorge Posada, Bernie Williams kind of deal where he's you know, he's, he's going in the, he's in. in the conversation. He's being talked about, and you know he'll go in eventually, but but not but not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Earn your pinstripes, right? Um, now we're thrilled to have Zade with us this week. We're talking. Uh, really everything we're talking about the bear market we're talking about the recession uh we're talking about crypto we're talking about the fed bunch of stuff so let's dive in here is zaded money from tiktok and just about everything else all right everybody with us this week we got recurring guest one of our all-time favorites zaded money at money underscore explains on tiktok so anywhere on social media pretty much but our in-house financial content creator that we love chatting with. It's been a little bit um, and there's no better time to have him back on when the markets are absolute shit and crypto is bad and everything's bad. But Zade, welcome back on. And first and foremost, happy Father's Day. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Always happy to be back on here. It's been, man, the first episode I did probably, what, two years ago now? Yeah. And, and uh, pandemic. quarantine. That's right. That's right. It's been, a, it's been a minute, but I'm happy to be back on. And thank you for the Father's Day. It's uh. It's, it, was, it was a good day yesterday. The first question, and I'm very happy you wrote this down as a talking point, Will, but are you concerned that your meme coin purchases are going to impact her future? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that, actually, because uh, I, I, I did a funny video yesterday how that's exactly what's happening. Is like my kid's not going to be – my kid's going to be paying college uh, – student loans for the rest of her life because of my degen activities of buying all these <laughs> random meme coins and these doge coins and these cat coins and all this fake internet money and uh my poor kid's gonna have to pay for college now so oh, no. you know what was what was the um your biggest investment in cryptocurrency like or which one did like specific coin did you put the most money into um, you know, I joke about this stuff, but I actually have been pretty good when it comes to not being too degen when it comes to crypto. I've, I've been pretty, pretty safe with it. I put the most amount of money in Ethereum. Um, so it, honestly, it's, it's worked <clears throat> out. Uh, obviously I wish I sold when it was at $4,000 and not waited for it to come crashing down to what's at 1100 right now. So that, that's just, that's just, you know, you learn from that, but yeah. overall it's kind of worked out, but yeah, I've degened into like some random NFTs, like things that Jake Paul or Rogan Paul are promoting oh, and things no. like that. I know, I know I shouldn't have been doing that, but I'm, I'm an idiot. I can't help myself. And I'm like, Oh, this will be a learning experience. And uh, you know, take a, a couple thousand dollars losses here and there, but overall, you know, it's just part of the learning process. It's like it when is- people get hacked, like on Twitter, and you click the link. It's like, oh yeah, sure. I'd love this Bitcoin. Like, hey, you know, all you have to do is buy NFT and I'll send you a free PS5. <laughs> what a sweet deal. Yeah, you got to be very careful with that stuff because uh, there's a lot of uh, scammy links floating around Twitter. You don't want to get, you don't want to accidentally click one of the next thing you know, your MetaMask wallet is getting drained for, you know, the one or two ETH that you might have had in there. Just it's all gone. It's wild that you brought up Jake Paul because I just saw a video from Logan and you know, the Paul brothers, they were one of the, like, obviously they're, they've blown up traumatically on social media, but they always were pumping the NFTs, the crypto, the metaverse and stuff like this. But the video was 
um, a random man on the street or whatever conference they were at. And the guy asked, would you take a $500,000 home or $500,000 in like the metaverse? And he's like, I'm fucking hammering the actual home right now and taking the physical asset because like, I am not getting bit in the ass. And it's like, okay, you've grown in the past two years because two years ago, you would have been like metaverse. We're buying the mansion, you know, buy this crypto punk and all of this stuff. But <laughs> Wait, so, so someone asked, asked one of the Paul brothers if they'd rather have the mansion or the metaverse. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. gotcha. And they went and they, and, and uh, Logan Paul went with the actual house. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like in a bear market, kind of what we're in right now, like everyone resets their priorities when the, when the money goes up, everyone's hyped. People aren't thinking straight. I mean, myself included, right? It's like, everyone's just like, it's euphoria. You're like, oh yeah, of course I'd buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of like random metaverse plot, random metaverse land. And it's like, no one's really thinking straight. And when the market comes down, everyone's like, oh, I'm never touching that again. So <laughs> it's just, it's just human nature, man. We can't help ourselves. And that's a good transition <clears throat> into where we're at now. So from a content perspective and you're breakdowns we've talked in the past about you know how your goal is to make business easy to understand for everybody what the actual hell is going on like where do we even start i don't even know like we can blame it we can talk about crypto we can talk about the war what the fuck have we come to (laughs) there's there's a lot of layers to this right i think the first thing is i think we all kind of got um uh, we were in one of the biggest bull runs ever right? Like the markets aren't always supposed to go up. I think that's like the number one rule. And I think a lot of a generation of traders uh, and investors, especially retail investors just got so used to like, oh, markets will always go up. The reason that was happening over the last 10 years is because we were living in this low interest rates environment. The Federal Reserve, which is in charge of, you know, kind of monetary policy, they had low, low interest rates. And especially following the pandemic in 2020, Interest rates were basically at zero and in a low interest rate environment that encourages high risk behavior. So people, you know, um, you know, companies raising money to, to expand their operations, you know, people getting paid, people getting um, uh, free money from the government and people using that money to invest in the stock market. All that was kind of fueling this degen casino stock market era that we lived through last year. And I think once all that starts slowing down, and we're the Fed's dealing with high inflation in order to fight high inflation. One of the things they have to do is raise interest rates and things like that. Then people, and then we get like a dose of reality and, and, and the economy starts slowing down. Stocks start coming down. And once you kind of hit like this bear market of like stocks coming down, people start panic selling. And then that kind of leads to the stock market dropping even further. So it's a matter of like a correction in the stock market is a good thing. I think with the velocity that it's happened, it's kind of taken people by surprise. But it had to it had to happen at some point because we were just because the market was on a sugar rush. It was uh it was maybe like on a it did it did a couple lines of cocaine or something, and we had to kind of get off the high. I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to say that. So you guys can cut that part out. But like we had to kind of get off that high in order for to return to some sort of normalcy. Hey, with the Rogan rules, we maybe that will have to get scrubbed. <laughs> uh, we'll see what Anchor does for us. It's no, it's a good point though. It's like the we were in such a unique market because with the time we started this podcast, we're talking about investments every week. It's like, all right, let's invest in the future. Cause this is going to come back. We've got all these shit coins popping out of nowhere. Yeah. Then 
you know, we're investing in companies that make vaccines and have mask ties and, you know, some sort of every the software, everything. And then it just kept going. It's yeah. like, all right, the plan might have been, you know, hey, six to 12 months, sell it, you know, hedge it, whatever. It just kept moving. And I think yeah. it took a lot of people back when everybody's like, oh, you know, the market sucks. Well, yeah, I mean, it was down. It was obviously going to crash at some point. Um, yeah. And now here we are. That, I think you make a good point on the velocity, though. It's like, I don't know that it's ever really happened this quickly <clears throat> other than maybe like the Great Depression, right? Yeah, I had to look, go and look back at the numbers and uh, to see what the velocity is this time compared to previous corrections. But but yeah, man, like that's just what happened. Like pe- we started taking we started taking higher and higher risky bets. Companies that have like zero dollars in revenue, like um, like some of these EV companies nowadays, not Tesla, but the other EV companies that are popping up, like Nikola and, and and Rivian and things like that, are insanely overvalued because everyone just is stuck to the narrative and like just willing to just throw their money into these random EV companies and meme stocks and shit coins and all that stuff started happening. And I think once the music stopped and like, we all got a dose of reality, things started coming down. Um, and a lot of people unfortunately lost a lot of money, but I think it was just a matter of time. You just gave me nostalgia that I wasn't prepared for with Nicola. Remember that? Yeah, we had a whole episode yeah. on Nicola, Will, back in the day. It was, uh, what was the all-time high? It was, <laughs> 66 it was like 90. Bucks. It was ridiculous, man. The Nicola thing was just ridiculous. And now it's $6. It went up to and, no, it went up to like a hundred. Yeah, I remember oh, it going like day, yeah. mooning. Yes, it Crazy. was um, it was all like I remember that it was a big pump and dump day. It was like it started at forty, ended up like a hundred. <laughs> exactly, and it's just not rational, man. Like it's just no, no, there was nothing rational happening in the market, and and again that now we're kind of getting a dose of reality. Now the market is favoring stocks that or, or companies that are you know profitable. Number one companies that produce good cash flow. So it's not just like, not this narrative of like, oh, we're a company that's going to revolutionize the metaverse and that's going to help us make $100 billion in 2065. That stuff doesn't work anymore because the investors are just tired of that. And people want to invest now in companies that are, you know, have good businesses, not theoretical businesses. So that's the difference now. Right. So, I mean, again, we're not financial experts. You invest, you invest in your own uh, accord in your own research, but you provide incredible content. Um, is your best content when the markets are bad? You know, we're in this bear market We're we're in the recession, if you like it or not, but is your best content creating when the markets are going to shit? I mean, I guess I'll find out, right? Like now that we're, now that we're going to shit, like over the last few months, I, I think so. I mean, but see, here's the thing about like covering stocks and the markets in general. It's kind of like sports, man. There's always something to talk about. Whether, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Um, I was listening to a podcast, uh, one of the guys from CNBC, and he was talking about like, when were they, when do they have the best ratings? And it's been two times during the dot-com bubble when there was just euphoria back in like 1999, 2000, everyone was just obsessed with the stock market. And Y2K were, too. Everybody right. thought and, the world was literally going to end. Yeah, that, that's, that's a totally like other element to the, <laughs> the dot-com stuff. And so people were obsessed with stocks back then and that was during a good time. And then the other time they had really good ratings was when the crash happened in 08. And everyone was obsessed with like, okay, what's going to happen with the markets next? What's going to happen with my 401k? Things like that. So I think during both times, people are interested. Um, I think if you ask any finance content creator, the peak, peak, peak 
was in meme stocks were happening because like everyone was focused on stock market and GameStop and AMC. And there was a, it's all about narrative, right? And there was all this narrative of like what's happening. It was like the 73 win warriors back in like 2017. Like everyone was obsessed with that team. What's going to happen? What's going on? Everyone's getting involved. Casuals are getting involved. And that was like the highest peak. But I think right now when people are coming, now that we're kind of entering into a slow period and like, you know, people are worried about their money, people are tuning back in. Um, it's it, the worst is when it's like kind of really boring and there's like a lull of when the market goes up a little bit or goes down a little bit. No one really cares then when there's like craziness happening, whether up or down, people want to know what's happening. And that kind of brings out the best content. And your past couple of videos, I mean, obviously the big news recently were, was the fed, you know, raising the rates and stuff, but from, you know, the three of us in the room understand that, but for the people that don't give us, you know, a couple minutes, however long do you think it'll take to explain what the hell's going on with the fed? and what that means for the market and for the everyday person. Yeah, so the Fed has a couple levers that they can use to kind of impact the economy. And the one thing that is their most powerful lever is the is a Fed fund rate. So basically the interest rate which impacts everything in the economy, right? And for the longest time it's, it's pretty much it was pretty much at near zero rates. But they started raising that rate in order to slow down the economy because the economy was running hot. What, that what's happened over the past couple, what's happened essentially is high inflation. We've seen that all the time. I mean, go buy some, go buy a burrito, go, go grocery shopping. We've seen it everywhere, high inflation. And what the Fed is trying to do is get that inflation under control. And what they're, and the, the tool they use is by raising rates, they're hoping to slow down spending because if it costs more money, if, it, if it's more expensive to borrow money, people are less likely to spend money. Companies are less likely to spend money because they can't just borrow money to like expand their operations or make investment in their businesses. So that should have a slowdown effect, throw cold water on the economy, and that should help bring inflation down. But higher interest rates means like as for a normal consumer, your credit card rates are going to be higher. So if you have credit card debt, that's likely going to be higher. If you're trying to get a mortgage, if you're trying to buy a house, a 30-year rate, dude, like six months ago, 2.99 all day right? Even with a mediocre credit score. I bought my house in uh, December 2020, 2.99 rate. That's not happening anymore. You try to buy a house right now, you're looking at 5.8, sometimes even 6% or higher for a mortgage. So that makes buying a house, you know, harder to, uh, harder to do because it's more expensive because your monthly mortgage is going to be higher. So that's what the Fed is trying to do is like kind of slow down the economy because they're trying to slow down, int- uh, slow down inflation, and and that and they're gonna and they've said they're gonna continue to raise rates, which again is bad for the economy. But they don't really have a choice at this point because they have to get inflation under control. So that's a really good point. It's like it's harder to buy a house. It's harder to do a few things. It's even harder to go to the bank and say, "Hey, I want a loan," right? Because the interest rates are gonna be sort of it's more expensive to do that. Yeah, exactly. Right. So does that impact? And I'm not asking you to basically say like, "Oh, this is how much I'm saving. This is how much I'm investing." But like, does that? Does that trigger anything as a homeowner to say like, hey, I need to be more conservative about what I'm putting into the bank and, and anything like that? Like, how does that change your strategies of investment versus saving versus what you're able to spend? Well, this does make like savings accounts. And I'm sure you guys, everyone listening is going to get an email from their bank saying, oh, our saving account went from like 0.005% to like maybe something more respectable, like 1% or something like that, because they're, they're able to offer you more money for your saving, uh, for your for your money in your savings account, so that should help you there. Um, you know, so that as far as like how sh- how it should um, affect you or impact your investing strategies. I mean, again, not financial advice, but whenever you have periods of high interest rate, 
people tend to go to safer assets, safer assets being bonds, right? Cause that's pretty much guaranteed returns um, or uh, you know, established companies like, like, you know, like the, uh, the apples of the world and things like that. And the riskier assets like the cryptos of the world become less desirable. That's why you saw crypto, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, all these things fall by 40, 50% over the last month. Uh, that's why you've seen all these, you know, unprofitable companies fall by 50 plus percent over the last quarter. They just become unattractive. People want to go to safer assets. Now, I mean, again, you got your safe assets and you got your riskier assets. Is there anything right now that you kind of see as a, a fire sale where it's like, okay, you know, I, this, again, we cannot predict the future, but yeah. you know, other companies where it's like, Hey, this is an all time discount. Kind of like what happened two years ago during the pandemic, obviously a lot of, a lot of stocks went down heavy and it's like, that was a good time to buy. But in your perspective, is there anything that you're like, Hey, keep an eye on this or that? I mean, I still like to, I'm still kind of sitting back and waiting for the market to kind of sh shake things out a little bit. So I haven't made any like further investments, but got my eye on, you know, companies that are good businesses. Like Apple is definitely, I mean, I've always been a fan of Apple, but like they're all, you know, they're, they're on my radar to add to my position there. You know, even Meta, Meta has been like absolutely clobbered. Facebook slash Meta has been absolutely clobbered. Their stock is down like significantly. And I'm like, that company still makes, it's a legitimate business. They continue to make, Billions of dollars, right? Um, so those are, you know, those are a couple of companies. You know, Google is also another one. Those are some companies that I've got my eye on. But just trying to find companies that are producing cash flow, which is important. And if they're trading at lower than normal levels, you know, compared to historically, then yeah, something that I want to scoop up. But I haven't really bought anything yet because I'm still kind of like trying to get a feel for the market. And honestly, that's actually a really stupid strategy. What 99% of people should be doing is just dollar cost average. So whether that's just buying the S&P 500, buying, you know, that, that's probably the best move. S&P 500, top 500 companies, uh, you just buy a consistent amount every single month, whether it's 100 bucks, 50 bucks, 500 bucks, whatever your strategy or, or your, your budget allows, just buy that, sit back and wake up in 55 years and you're going to be a millionaire. That's a good point. <laughs> I mean, that's we, uh, we go through all this stress because I mean, I love this stuff, which is why I do it. That's why I try to like pick companies and things like that. I genuinely love it, but like still 50% of my investments are in, are in index funds, are in ETFs, yeah. like, you know, like uh, S&P 500. So that's usually the safest move and the, right. the, and the, and the most stress-free move. And it's like, why fuck with something that has been broken in years? It's like, that's what, you know, it's like people just like, hey, buy the index. You're, exactly. You're good. The thing, it's like your money is in theory, again, in theory, guaranteed to grow by, you know, between like five and 10%, right? Historically, yeah. The S&P 500 goes up by seven to 10% the last, if you look at the last 50 years or whatever. Now, obviously past performance doesn't guarantee future yeah. progress, but if you're, by buying in the S&P 500, you're pretty much banking on the innovation of America to continue, which I still feel very bullish on. And so that's, dude, that's the safest, most stress-free way. I feel like that's still what 90% of people do when they continue doing that. Uh, it's just nerds like us that are just kind of like, oh, well, maybe we should like dip our toes into some Google stock and whatever. It's it's fun. I like it. But again, it's very, it's a lot more stressful and it's a lot more time consuming as well. It's like you got to like keep up with all the things that are happening with each individual companies. So if you don't want to deal with all that crap, just buy some, buy some S&P, call it a day.
I think everybody should have some like a sizable portion in indexes. Yeah. So we, exactly. like you said, we go through all this trouble just to everybody ends up at the same point or you make really stupid decisions and really hurt yourself. Right. So it's like, eh, not good, not good in that Avenue, but we talk about aggressive investment strategies and cryptos come up a bunch. Uh, Father's day was yesterday. I had a conversation with all the, the dads at the table about, <laughs> Hey, is it now the time to buy crypto? Like it's now, I don't know. It's uh, Bitcoin's down to 20,000. <laughs> let's get, let's go around. Is it time to panic with crypto or is it time to buy? Oh boy. Or is there um, some sort of white space here? You know, I think, I, I think all the, the shit coins I'm out on. Like, yeah. I think I'm out on all the shit coins. I've, I pretty much narrowed it down to like three or four, like good crypto projects that I'm going to now dollar cost average, meaning I'm going to buy a consistent amount every month moving forward. Uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Solana are the ones that I'm looking at right now. And my strategy is to just buy probably for me, like a couple hundred bucks worth of like Bitcoin, a couple hundred bucks worth of Ethereum, and then maybe a hundred bucks or so of Solana moving forward every month and just ride that wave up. Um, but knowing well that like this thing could keep coming down, you know, like we don't know. Everyone thought the bottom was 20,000 for Bitcoin. That wasn't the case. Bitcoin drops in like 18 and now it's at 19, I think. So it's recovering a bit, but that's my strategy. I mean, I don't know what, you, what, are, what are you guys thinking? Yeah, no, I agree on the, on the shit coin. I, I only flirted with like, I mean, I had Dogecoin since like the beginning. I still have nice. like a hundred dollars of Dogecoin that I just, nice. You know, it was like the pandemic buy. And I just like, that's one of those things where I'm like, hey, maybe one day I'll wake up and it'll explode. But yeah. I knew I was not becoming a millionaire on Dogecoin, nor was I going to put my life savings on Dogecoin. So that's right. just going to sit on the shelf till the, the tale is old this time. And, and unless I definitely need a hundred bucks in the future, where it's like, right. hey, <laughs> you know, withdraw that quick. But no, that's the thing. I, I agree on the Ethereum and the Bitcoin. I, I think it's a good time to buy that it's becoming a little bit more affordable. Um, you know, I was the same strategy as you a couple bucks here and there each month the past year, but you know, when it got to $60,000, it's like, yeah, I'm not taking out what is going to be a house fund or an additional savings fund or a 401k to buy one single Bitcoin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you had like, let's say you had, you know, 50 grand, uh, let's say you owned one Bitcoin. I mean, you lost almost half your money in some, exactly. Areas, you know? Which again, that's like anything you invest in. So I would have rather if that, if I was, you know, depositing that lump sum, it wasn't going to be in something that risky. Yeah. But what's funny is like, right. It's, it, obviously it's very risky. And we realize that Bitcoin and these cryptocurrencies are risky, but man, even like these supposedly, you know, not risky stocks like Netflix, man, I think Netflix is down more this year than Bitcoin is, or it's pretty close. And you yeah. would never think that a company like Netflix, right. That everyone, it's an actual company. It's a, uh, that makes money every month, every year. It, well, they're, they're, they're running at a loss recently, but you know, you would never think that their stock would be down 70 plus percent in a year or, you know, in, in six months comparable to like fake internet money, you know, literally yeah. a fang group. It's in the fang acronym, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google. Right? Exactly. Yeah. It's like insane to think about, Holy shit. One of those proverbial top five firms is well uh, running at a loss is one thing, right? Like plenty of other companies do, but like, I mean, down 70%, that's when you really look, I don't think like most of America knows that. Isn't that crazy? But if you also yeah, think man. about it too, it's like who like Netflix out of those five has the most competition. 
like the yeah, other four it's like the other phone are, the other four are like above none all like at the top and no one's really like kind of catching up to them they're kind of all competing with itself right. more or less right but it's like netflix now it's it's everybody you know you if you still have cable one you're crazy but that's a, a conversation for itself but you know we you guys want- are sports fans you guys don't have cable espn man espn <laughs> streaming elsewhere yeah no i'm with you i'm with you yeah but it's like you go downstairs and it's like you go on your smart tv it's like what do you want to watch today well i got peacock i got hbo max i got hulu i got netflix i got amazon prime i got apple tv i got youtube tv and it's still half the price of it's still half the price of cable but it's like netflix you know their stuff kind of runs dry if you've you know had it since the very beginning if you watch all the old shows like you're not going to watch the same show 40 times over you might but they cannot create content as fast as some of the other companies are. I think they're catching up. And that's what like they're, I think they've addressed it with like new, with new content. That's how I'm understanding it anyway. But to Zade's point, it's like, yeah, they're investing in new content, but they're also, it requires more capital than they've ever needed ever to even compete with these people, which is, that's not good. I'm not a Here, business scientist, but like, it's not, that's not a winning formula there. Here's the problem with Netflix guys. Like, so I've always been like a Netflix hater as far as the company is concerned, because it, like, it's really hard for them. To, it, the streaming business is not a good business. It's not right. And the, and they're now going up against giants, tech giants that have unlimited money. Apple has like $200 billion in cash in the bank, right? They could lose a billion dollars every year on their streaming service, which they're not going to, but they could theoretically and be fine because they have an actual business selling iPhones, iPads, everything that they can use to subsidize their streaming business because the streaming business is not very profitable. Um, same with Amazon. Amazon doesn't need to make money from their streaming service. It's, it's an added benefit. If you're just trying to make it as a streaming service, it is not good business. And I think everyone realizes that Disney's another good example. Disney doesn't, I mean, Disney Plus is, is, is a huge service, but you they also have their parks division. They also have all these other things that Netflix just doesn't have. And, and I think people realize like, oh my God, like the net streaming business model kind of sucks. And it's, there's, there's very little switching costs. I can just can't, I can subscribe to Netflix one month, watch my favorite shows and then unsubscribe a month later and I'm done. I can resubscribe back in December, whenever the new Drive to Survive comes out or whatever, right? Like I, you, you don't have to keep it. And I can subscribe to Apple TV plus whenever I want to. So the, that's why Netflix doesn't have a moat compared to all these other tech giants. And, and that's why their business is struggling. I don't know if they're ever going to get back to like their heyday. I just don't ever see it happen. But I could be wrong. So if you like in your perspective, what avenue should Netflix kind of like follow if they're going to try to survive? Like, if is it crazy enough that like, we might not- dude. What's up? Live sports. I think that's the only way. I think that's really the only way that they're going to make it because they're really, I just, there's just too much options out there. Like there's just so much good content now, whether it's HBO max, Peacock is pretty decent. There's so much good content that it's really hard to differentiate yourself as a Netflix. And there's only one thing that people will always tune in for. You have to tap into that, which is sports. Sports fans are crazy, man. Just, I mean, Sports fans will pay for whatever it takes to watch their favorite sports. And Netflix has always shied away from buying live sports because it's really expensive and they didn't think they needed it. But guess who's buying live sports rights? Amazon is. 
Every right? one Amazon. of their competitors is buying Everyone. a lot of sports rights. Apple TV, the MLB. Baseball. I get so pissed at this, though, because there are some times that the Yankees will be on, and they'll be on Apple TV on a Friday night. I'm like, fuck that. I just want to like turn on but, the TV and watch them. So not only that, though, it's like Apple TV, but that you still need MLB Network. Yeah, you need the MLB TV pass. Oh, you do? Okay, yeah. I didn't know that. It's like it's sometimes. Just, sometimes it's just straight Apple TV. Other times it's like you need the additional. I'm like, now you're being... A, I heard it's unique okay. to the MLB. They just I heard a, a rumor, though, that Apple TV is getting a Sunday ticket. There's a rumor floating around. Not this upcoming season, but the following season, they're getting Sunday ticket, wow. uh, which would be, be an absolute game changer, dude. Would Bro, they have surprised. limited money. You think DirecTV is going to outbid Apple? You think that you think, who's going to outbid Apple? If Apple wants something, they they have the biggest checkbook in the room. Tell me how many zeros you want to add, and they they and they make it happen. So you're not going to compete with that, and that's and that's what Netflix has to deal with. That's what everybody else has to deal with. These tech companies have unlimited money, and they can buy whatever rights they want to, and then kind of build that build that subscriber base. Because if Apple gets app, if Apple TV gets a Sunday ticket, all of us are subscribing, dude. I mean, like that's just how it is. We're subscribing to that. And, and Apple and is like, they're in such, I, I think they're huge advantage over every one of their competitors in the situation like that too. There's only one company that has the hardware for all that stuff too. Oh yeah. And it's oh them. yeah. That, like exactly. Apple hardware. I mean, that's the easiest no brainer in the world. You sell something to watch into a customer base with the hardware to do it. And they are going to buy it. It's that simple. How brilliant is that? They, I mean, it, it's an incredible business model. That's why they're worth, God, I'm what, two, two trillion still? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, in it's, theory, it's an unlimited amount of money they're worth. Like they are just worth nothing that the human brain can conceptualize. Exactly. They're the first luxury tech brand that has gone mainstream. They're the they're Louis Vuitton mixed with whatever like uh, luxury uh, tech company you want to mix with. Like they, they are the first luxury tech brand. And that's why they're the biggest company in the world. And that's why. I mean, I'm a huge, huge Apple bull. I'm also an Apple stan. I mean, I have, I have Apple everything, right? So I, I'm part of that. I'm part of that subscriber base. I think the, the sky's the limit for them. But even Amazon, I mean, Amazon has, has something going for them as well. They have, they have a huge business and they can use that money to build out their uh, streaming platform. So, you know, I think Netflix is in trouble uh, and that's why their stock is down substantially. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they're getting into the F1 stuff now, which, you know, is probably the next sport that's, you know, making the boom and stuff, but the live TV would be interesting. And again, we saw, we just mentioned with uh, Amazon, it's like how much they spent on guys like, you know, Al Michaels and their, and their football, you know, platform, like just Thursday night football, hundreds and hundreds yeah. of millions. So yeah. Around a year for those guys, whereas Netflix, that would hurt, right? Like they can't, Netflix, I don't think has the has a checkbook to pay Al Michaels eighteen million dollars to call eight games. Like they don't have that. They don't have the ability or the or the bank account to do that. Whereas Amazon does. Um, and so yeah, that, that's 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 a tough thing. And maybe, maybe Netflix does get the F one rights. The F one rights are going to be uh, coming up soon. Uh, ESPN has them right now, but uh, there have been rumors that uh, Netflix is going to do their first live sports rights deal because obviously their F one uh, show is amazing. I love it. And if they had the actual live rights for all the races, I mean, that'd make a lot of sense. Then they can start building up, you know, um, some live sports rights that way. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll do a quick closeout. I mean, one question we got to ask, we try to not talk about him as much as often because there was a one point of time we're talking about Elon Musk every single week. 
Um, So we'll just keep it brief. I mean, do you think the Twitter deal goes down by the end of 2022? Uh, Yes, I think it does, but I don't think it's going to go down at the agreed upon rate that it's at. I think he's going to get a discount because uh, he's just going to, his lawyers are going to find something in the agreement. They're going to keep muddying the waters and all they're trying to do is trying to renegotiate a better rate because it's not worth how much is he paying 44 billion or some crazy number like that. Like it should be, if it wasn't trading right now in the stock market, it'd be worth half that maybe even lower. And so he's going to, he's going to negotiate some, some re uh, some, some new agreement, but I think it will happen. I think I'm, I'm like still 50, 50. I can't figure it out. Cause the thing is he, he can't really back out anymore. Like he can, yeah, he's all in now. He 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 has to claims. Exactly. He has to do it now. Um, (laughs) Reputationally. And like, he signed the deal. He signed the he signed the agreement, um, and so he's trying he's trying to get out of it, but it's not that simple. I mean, he signed an agreement, and it's going to go to court and whatnot. So, the, the I think the deal happens, but at a lower rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, he was very stuck up on this five percent with the fake accounts. Very stuck <laughs> yeah. up on, and I was trying to follow that along, and I'm like, you know, isn't that something that you just figure out afterwards, or you know, that's not something that was talked about before? It just all moved way too fast, and. Uh, He's yeah. trying to get out of the deal is what it was. He's using the bots to get out of the deal and, and it's not working. Like according to all these people that have read the agreements, like it's not enough to get out of the deal. So he's trying to find other excuses. So we'll see if it works, but I, I think he's going to have to go through with it. Sneaky, yeah. sneaky Elon, sneaky Elon. Yeah. <laughs> Guy's crazy, man. Yeah. But Zade, no, we appreciate it. So what content are you working on? I mean, you know, we saw you earlier this year in a LinkedIn ad. That was pretty freaking cool. Uh, and then Dude, now you yeah. got your, uh, your newsletter promotion, the Substack. Uh, what are you working on so far and, uh, what's new in your world? Yeah, man. So I've been uh, doing this show with eToro, uh, which is a, a stock trading app for the past few weeks, um, called social investing network. That's been a good thing. It's like a daily live show that we go on YouTube. Um, that's been a good, it's been a good thing. We're going to keep that going. And then I still got my TikToks, try to do funny skits, try to do more, you know, informational videos, quicker videos, more informal videos. And I, I, I want to get into the podcast game like you guys have, man. That's, that's the goal. Try to get into the podcast game, try to come up with a, a unique, uh, unique idea and, and go with it and, and get that going. I also want to, you know, do YouTube. I want to do a lot of things, but there's only 24 hours in the day. And I don't have like the crazy work ethic that Elon Musk has. And I also have a kid <laughs> and wife. So I got I to gotta, I gotta kind of balance all that. So trying to, trying, to, trying to do everything I can, but, you know, one step at a time. Well, when you come to the podcasting world, our arms are open. We will, we will welcome you <laughs> into this wonderful multiverse. Here. I appreciate that. I know, I know, I know it's, getting, uh, it's getting crowded in there, but it is. I'm trying to find my little corner that whatever I can to, to, to stand out. Oh, it's no, very there's, crowded. Still, there's still plenty of room. I yes, think, it's... like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like you find, you like, no one's going to be the next Rogan, but, like, you find your niche and you find your market. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, but are um, you still engineering? Uh, kind of. I've been doing engineering like on the side. It's okay. I'm kind of like moonlighting, so it's like uh, a couple hours here or there. I think like at the most, I do like four to five hours a week. And sometimes it's a little bit more if they need me. But I kind of want to keep my engineering muscles still flexed in case in case like the market just totally takes a shit and it's like okay, now I need like an actual job because like you know content's not paying the bills. So I'm keeping that fresh. Uh, keeping that muscle flex and those relationships open in case I got to go back full time. But I'm glad you got to the content game, you know, fully, because that was something yeah. that you, you wanted to do the last time we spoke. And I mean, you know, 
we see you all the, all over the place and we love your stuff. And we keep pointing people where it's like, Hey, where's the best business stuff. It's like, you got to go to Zade. He, he breaks it down <laughs> better than nobody else. So, you know, we appreciate it. Yeah, man. I appreciate you guys and you guys keep crushing it and you guys are still doing this. You know, that's what I like about it. Like you guys, it wasn't just a pandemic thing. You know, you guys started it off. You guys got better equipment now. Like I remember the first time like it was just way different. Now you guys are like, a little bit more legit and you guys are keeping this going all these, all these months later. So that's why that's inspiring, man. So I'm hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys keep this going. And, and one day this is like going to be a, you know, top 10, top 20 podcasts in the world. That's the goal, right? And Hey, Erdy, we are small claim to fame right now. Top 10% of craft beer podcasts. Let's go. <laughs> very specific Let's go. niche. But <laughs> Niches make riches, specific. man. That's, that's the way to go. Oh, I love it. Zane, thanks so much, man. Um, time to plug your social media and all that stuff. We, we've got a minute left for you. Yeah, totally. Like I said, uh, you guys covered it. Uh, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, just Google Admani Explains. All that stuff should pop up. Um, you know, uh, if you guys like the stuff, you know, would appreciate a follow and just stay tuned for any, you know, potential future announcements of podcasts and things like that. But uh, yeah, Admani Explains, Google that. And then also Google Social Investing Network. And uh, yeah, catch me there daily. Sweet. Awesome. Well, Zade, we appreciate the time. Let's hope uh, after this conversation airs, the stocks go up and uh, we'll all be happy campers. But thank you as uh, always, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, dude. And that was just Zade Admani. Admani underscore explains. Uh, Three-time recurring guest, friend of the program. He's got a lot of cool stuff. So make sure you follow him everywhere. And now we head into the ball segment. Presented by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com slash house for 20% off. One of our favorite products on the market. Your balls will thank you later. They have not only their lawnmower 4.0, different razors, shaving creams, lotions, foot sprays, boxer briefs, you name it. A lot of great stuff. You just missed it for Father's Day. So if you need a last minute Father's Day gift, go to manscaped.com slash house. Get 20% off and free shipping. Like we said, your balls will thank you later. Um, no more free ads than what we already did. I have gone on tour for the PLL three times. I took my lawnmower 4.0 with me twice. Easy, easy to carry, easy to clean. I took um, it with me to Albany perfect. and I took it with me to Hofstra and couldn't take it to Charlotte because I was, wasn't checking a bag. I probably honestly you could probably have brought it. A TSA pre-check, although they... I got yelled at for the first time before we go into balls by TSA pre-check for the first time because my dumbass left a water bottle in my backpack. Yeah, you can't do that. And I got yelled at. And it was a shameful moment in what's supposed to be a very expedited security process. Shame on me. Do that. No. But I learned my lesson. I won't do it again. Um, all right, balls. What an eventful couple of weeks. Um your recap video said it all, but the Celtics are unfortunately no longer the balls. Um, they have been eliminated. Listen, I'm not a huge, like, I get it. We're Knicks guys. You're much more involved with the Knicks than I am. I, I'm like, oh shit, you know, they won. Good for them. That's really about it. I don't really analyze the team anymore. I wasn't as in on the Celtics as you were, but I think that Tatum getting hate is so stupid. Ridiculous. So stupid. Ridiculous. It makes no, no sense. Um, I'm not a Celtics person. 
I don't even really like Jason Tatum, but I'm like, holy shit, this dude is going to be very good. And he is very good already. And he's so young, and that team is so young. It's well coached. They have a good core. Um, you talk about the Knicks. I mean, sadly enough, the Knicks were the reason they turned around their season. They were 500 in January, lost when R.J. Barrett hit a three over Tatum, and then they went on an absolute tear. But the Celtics are so a good we'll team. take credit for that. Yeah, the Celtics are a very good team, and Tatum deserves no hate whatsoever. They're talking shit about, like, the whole Kobe text message, which, first off, kind of weird. I'm not going to – Yeah, that I'm was a little up. weird. Why are you texting a dead guy? Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, that's something that you, like, kind of keep to yourself. And, like – when you win the championship, be like, yo, I texted Kobe and like he was there for me. Like, don't bring that up like game one, you know? You, you can't say he was there for you though. Like, I mean, <laughs> listen, like Tatum does get some hate too because like he is also the first player in NBA finals history to have 100 turnovers in a series. Like, that's not good. I think he was playing hurt. I don't know. Again, you got to give hats off. Like, the Celtics, no one expected them to be there, especially in a crowded East. The Heat are a very good team. The Sixers and James Harden. Well, Amazing, they got past the Bucks. You no, know, the Bucks itself. But there's so many what ifs with this series. It's like if you know Chris Middleton was healthy. You know, do um, you know do the Celtics even get past there? Who knows? But again, like this one other person contributed for the Bucks. Like one other. Didn't one even, other. If yeah. Holiday turned in like a couple of twenty point performances, could this have been put to bed? Who knows? Yeah. But it doesn't matter. The Celtics seize the opportunity. Yeah. And again, like the Warriors, like Draymond's very hateable. Clay is kind of like so-so. How can you hate Steph Curry? I'm I'm sorry. I don't like Steph Curry's like a very like he seems like a nice guy, keeps his nose clean, a family man, and he's just fucking good. You know, he is just good. And I've always been intrigued with the Warriors because it's like this team won without Kevin Durant, you know, right? They they won and they beat LeBron. They obviously had Kevin Durant, which again. It's not illegal what they did. Kevin Durant came, elevated them to, you know, two more finals wins, three more appearances. But then they beat the Raptors. I mean, they lost to the Raptors. Then the big three gets hurt. You know, Clay's out for the year, two years with the ACL and Achilles. Draymond's out and worrying about his content stuff. Steph's hurt. He's out a lot. They trade D'Angelo Russell. They start building up. They retooled that entire team, kept their big three, re-added Andre Iguodala, and they're back. I mean, you know, those steps, obviously, unanimous Hall of Fame. And I really do think that Draymond and Clay are probably right there with them. Yeah. I don't, Draymond just – did you watch the trophy presentation? Oh, it was trash. He was just talking shit. And he hasn't stopped talking shit. Like, when Father's Day was yesterday, that was supposed to be Game 7. He's like, getting ready for Father's Day Game 7, psych. Like – Listen, he's a trash talker. He's an aggressive player, but they won. And, you know, they, it's one of the best dynasties in in recent times. I mean, they have four rings in eight finals. No, Um, six finals, but eight years. Yeah, that checks out. So, you know what I didn't know? That's crazy. Peter Gruber, who owns the team, is a Boston guy. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't know that until he started talking on the stage. I go, this guy's definitely from Boston. Then he goes, yeah. what a dream it is to be a, a guy that grew up in Boston to win at the garden and everyone boos him. <laughs> well, when they found the, you know, there was the rumors that they booked out the night at Encore like before. Oh. And our friend, Zach Mastriani made up a good point. Like I wasn't even going to go outside of TD garden. I had to go into the office that day. And I'm like, wait, this is like, if you know they're booking out the garden 
Like, let me go outside. Let me, if they're booking out Encore, let me go outside the garden to see if this place is like electric. Calm, very calm atmosphere. A couple shit talkers here and there saying like, oh, well, like after the game? No, before. Oh, yeah. Right. I thought it was going to be more rowdy on a winner go home, winner go home basis. I mean, it looked pretty packed. No, it was packed, but they were tamed. There was no characters, no drunkness. Like people were just like, I think the nerves were kicking in. But I think so. On the ride there after work, Zach and I were talking about NBA rigged. Now I'm surprised this didn't happen. Adam Silver, commissioner, couldn't go to the game because of COVID protocols. I did not think they were going to allow the Warriors to win where he could not pass off the trophy. I That's what Zach even, said. did not even cross my mind. Zach said that, and I'm like, NBA rigged. I'm like, that. there's no way they win. But again... Well, Celtics, I guess that was debunked, though. It was so. debunked. I mean, but again, Celtics came out hot, and then well, you can't let the Warriors go on a 22-0 run. That was bad. But that was it. That was it. It was a 20-point lead for most of the game, and they closed it out, and... They beat him at home, but yeah, you even cut that in half. Like you're, you cut it close. Like there were points. I think it was in the fourth quarter, even still, that they were down by eight. That's a winnable game. You know, winnable like game, seven minutes to go, you can make up eight points. You kidding me? Couldn't close it. Couldn't close it. So their defense was spotty when they didn't need it to be. They weren't making shots. They like you know. They said this uh, on a few podcasts this week. It's like it's the biggest basketball cliche ever, but it's true. It's a make or miss game. You. Give yourself the chance to put the basket or to put the ball in the basket, literally the name of the game. And if you don't deliver, you, you lose. It's that simple. Yeah, that simple. That's what happened to the Celtics this week. So, so they'll be fine. I honestly think they'll be okay. They should compete for like another couple of years. Yeah. They have that core for a while and uh, it parlays to the next topic of NBA draft. Yes. Um, NBA draft, lots going on. Again, there's some guys that have. Like everybody on Arizona has declared the the latest news in the NBA draft. Jaden Ivey today um, met with the media and they're saying, hey, you know, you might go to the Kings. What's the deal? And his response had me dying laughing. It was, well, I haven't worked out for them. They haven't talked to me, but I guess that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, it's. I don't like the, the Kings are shopping that pick, I think. And I have a blog in the pipeline where. You know, Jaden Ivey mentioned today that New York is one of those possibilities. I would love Jaden Ivey in Madison Square Garden. I I tweeted out my ideal starting five going into next year is Jaden Ivey at the one, RJ at the two, Cam Reddish at the three, Obi Toppin at the four, and Miles Turner at the five, which was from an old blog a couple or last week where I said, our only free agent decision for the Knicks is Mitchell Robinson. He doesn't seem too happy. Get Miles Turner. Miles Turner has always been our guy in NBA 2K builds. Get me Miles Turner. I know we've done that. Oh. Every time we do NBA 2K guys, you're like, yo, let's trade for Miles Turner. It's it's the move. It's the move. And again, like with the Jaden Ivy pick, like, you know, I, I put Obi at the four. I don't want to get rid of Julius Randle. I think he's a very good player still. Like his contract's tough and he had a tough year. It's gonna have to, you know, make some sense to move him, I think. It sucks, but like in order for Obi Toppin to like blossom to this potential he could be, you gotta start him. You gotta start him. And like RJ Barrett is the only untouchable with Obi at number two, I believe. And like you need yeah. a starting point guard. Alec Burks is not a starting point guard. Derek Rose is your sixth man. You need a true point guard. And I think Jaden Ivey would be sick. But 
I do see in a couple mock drafts who I would not mind. Johnny Davis, number 11. I haven't made up my mind on him just yet. I mean, so can we all agree that Jabari Smith's one? Well, some people are saying Paolo's going one now. And then you also have Chet. Those are the top three. I would say, in my eyes, the top three are Smith, Paolo, and I have a hot take. I think Ivy's top three. I really well, do. I think, no, I, and I, I don't think Chet Holmgren's that good, but he's going to be top three. I think Holmgren, I, I think he's got the right build. I think he has the right, well, not build, but I should say skill set. He doesn't have the right build as far as weight goes. He's yeah. significantly underweight. Like, uh, let me put that out there right now. Fucking twig. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say another word. Oh, um, no. <laughs> not that <laughs> so, Yeah, Chet's in, like, number two to the thunder? No, that's not happening. Um, I don't know. I Like, I would, if I was in a situation where I was making picks, I would even take a guy like Keegan Murray who shot out of his ass last year. There was only, I think, two guys in the nation that shot the ball better than he did. One of them went to Bryant. <laughs> One of them's in this draft. Um, I don't know. I, I guess, I, huh? I said, does Peter Kiss get the get the nod in the second round? I think Peter Kiss is getting the. He's probably getting picked two. Dude, yeah, be, I hope he gets drafted. I hope. I think he's actually. I hear that he's getting the number one overall pick. I think he can be in the second round. I really He can do. get taken end of the second round. He's playing on that Texas Tech alumni team for TBT. Yeah. That's yeah. weird. Phil, our college hoops writer, tagged us in that. And I was like, yeah. We'll have, to, we'll have to ask Pete about that sometime. Yeah. I have been approached by some Bryant basketball brass about the, the quote was, what do I need to do to get on the pod? And my response was, well, if we get Doug Eddard in exchange for, for you, that's fine. Who's the brass? Just brass that's unnamed. Okay. <laughs> brass. I'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> well, we already had Grasso and Duhon, but getting back to the draft, um, I don't know. There's a couple. Um, I'm just looking at like the, you know, the mock right now. This will be interesting with obviously the uh, G League Ignite team. You have guys like Dyson Daniels and Jaden Hardy who have been projected in the uh, in the first round, as well as uh, Marjan, Marjan Bechamp. But I don't know who the hell that is. Neither do I. I'm just looking at, you know, stuff. Yeah, I don't know. But if the Knicks can get to the fourth pick, I'd love Jaden Ivey. I think he did very well at Purdue. I think that would be a generational talent to pair alongside this young core. Um, again, in a, in a dream world, would love a Donovan Mitchell, would love a Jalen Brunson. I, what, the Knicks don't have much to give up. But like... They do, but I, I just don't agree with like restarting this whole core and shipping people off. Like we're finally now in a position where like the right people are there making the right draft moves. You're not getting guys like Kevin Knox and Frank Nilkina uh, Nil- and stuff like that. You're getting guys that are like, 
holy shit, they got drafted at the right picks. Yeah, they're in RJ Barrett, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, um, Quentin Grimes, like you, Miles McBride. You're getting guys that like make sense in this program. Keep them and build something. Because look at what the Celtics just did. Tatum, Brown, um, uh, Marcus Smart. Like they're making a core. Don't buy. Don't ship away your future. Like build something here and then get players that want to come here. Like, and if Julius Randall isn't part of the picture, like I appreciate his MVP caliber season and bringing us into the playoffs last year. Like that was incredible, but it's time to move on. I agree. I think there's a couple guys in this draft that could be some pretty big sleepers. I think the first is EJ Lydell uh, from Ohio state. There's, I'm looking at a mock that has him seven and then one that has him 25. Like, make up your fucking minds, people. Yeah. He's good. He's he's undersized from a height perspective, but he's a bruiser. I mean, he's 6'7", 240. Um, and for him to put up 20 points a game like he did at Ohio State for most of his career, I think that's a guy that can make an impact for you. Um, Jaden Sharp from Kentucky, um, as well as T.T. Uh, Washington. Um, yeah, that's fine. Christian Braun from Kansas. I, I like Christian Braun. Dale and Terry from Arizona. I don't know about him. That's a thing. I, I think his sample size is not good enough. Um, he was good, but does 9.8 points per game cut it? Yeah. That's my thing. And then Walker Kessler, too. I mean, somebody's going to walk away with a good instant contributing center that le- literally led the country in blocks at Auburn last year. Yeah. And then right now I see him – one mock draft has him at 26 to the Rockets. The Rockets have three picks this draft. And in this mock draft, they're walking away with Palo at three, TT Washington at 17, and Walker Kessler at 26. That's kind of fucking wild. That is a pretty good – that's a good draft. That's a good draft. You got you have two forward starters right there. Palo and, uh, and Kessler start immediately there. And then I'm trying to think who already – I mean, they just – traded away uh christian wood which obviously got them the mavs pick um whatever (laughs) but they have kevin porter jr jalen green jason tate kenya martin jr dennis schroeder trey burke now i'm like Um, falling asleep yeah i mean it wasn't that (laughs) i I thought it was like you know no jalen jalen green you know what that sounds like? It sounds like Sunday afternoon, like your family's over. You're just waiting for food to be ready, and you just take a little nap on the couch. You're like, oh, shit, the Rocket just got beat by 40. Yeah, but, like, Jalen Green was all rookie first team last year. Yeah, sure. That's fine. They're far out. They're far if out. they get I'm not three pieces, yeah. though, that can start this year, okay. I'm, I'm right with you. Yeah. They Jason have, like, a Tate, couple good pieces. Jason Tate was decent at Ohio State. He was a rookie. They're, they're young. They're young. Yeah, it still doesn't change the fact that I'm fucking falling asleep, but... Yeah. They'll get there. Good draft. You solve all those problems. Yeah. Three picks in the first round is pretty damn good, and one one of them's three. That's You're in a good spot there. One of those guys will pan out and have a long career for you. Or they don't, and you get another draft like... uh, Yeah, you just implode and do it again. 2003, where it's... LeBron one, Mello three, D Wade four, Chris Bosh five, yes. Me- uh, Kyle Corver's in there, a bunch of other guys, and then the Pistons grab uh, Dario Marsic, I think who it was. And uh, granted, the Pistons did win a ring with him, but like he didn't do shit. He wasn't a generational talent. 
Um, uh, when even the draft's in a couple weeks now. No, it's, I think it's, oh, wait, Thursday. shit. It's literally Thursday. Whoops. Yeah, I had my dates wrong. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. It is June 20th while we're recording yeah. this. I was like, no, a couple weeks in June. We're good. No, it's Thursday. Okay. Nice. Intriguing. Um, I say Smith goes one. I'm probably with you. Smith or Ivy? I think Ivy should go one. I think that I think the teams are set on there on the three. I think it's a mistake, though. I, I, I don't disagree. Like, like I said, I'm not very bullish on Chet um, Holmgren. I'm not. Yeah. I think Orlando should be taking Ivy with that, but I, I'm just me. I'm I'm one person. I, but they have good. Orlando has good guards. Yeah, they did. I I get that. Like, what's the Magic's? Yeah, they probably should take Smith then. The Magic's depth chart is. Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Markel Fultz, and RJ Hampton, and Gary Harris. Suggs is on that team, yeah. So, and then they're they have Fran, uh, Franz Wagner, Jonathan Isaac, Wendell Carter Jr., Mo Bamba, Mortiz Wagner, Terrence Ross, Ignas. Wait, they uh, have Franz and Mo Wagner. Yeah. Wow. Damn. Chuma Okeke, Okiki. Hmm. So it makes, more, it makes more sense to uh, go with the forward than the guard. Yeah. In this situation, yes. They get a free pass. Yeah. Uh, hockey, real quick. I need the abs to win. That's all. I Just time for a new change, like some change of pace, some new movement in the Stanley Cup universe. Um, I don't know. I, I do like... I have a very unpopular opinion. I actually do like the bolts. Like I think their owner is the man. He is a very well-respected business guy too. No one gives a um, fuck about hockey in Florida. And they had some of the, what they, they do in Tampa and they have some really good teams. Like the Panthers were a very good team this year. So it's like, it is crazy. Yeah. But that's like North Florida and the Panthers, right? Aren't they in like Jacksonville still though? I mean, Tampa, like there's actually no- some normal people that live there. Yeah. But again, they're not like, watching Rays games. God only knows. If if the if the Lightning can squeeze out, I mean, it's two nothing right now in the series. Um, it know. was two nothing against the Rangers last time. Yeah, so they could uh, they could squeeze it out, and and then again, you're looking at an incredible dynasty that you have to put them there with like the four the four cup streak with the Islanders and some of uh, Edmonton back in the day and the Red Wings in the in the nineties and shit. So going to three straight is and winning with three straight would be pretty freaking incredible. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh-huh. I think um, the abs are just such like for them to just pour it on, on Saturday. That was fun. I watched most of that game. Actually, that was fun to watch them. They were all having fun. They packed that place up. That was cool. What was the score? Because like, it was, it was seven blo- nothing. Yeah, to like for Vasilevsky to uh, let up seven goals is pretty freaking wild. I know he's one of the I uh, probably the best uh, two three goalies in the league right now. Yeah. Vasilevsky's been yeah. excellent these past few years. So who knows? Who knows? The abs. Yeah, I mean, I knew whoever was going to come out of the West. I felt like, yeah. and I, I really thought. I mean. Edmonton not winning. Uh, the Avs are obviously a much better team, but to have a generational player like Connor McDavid 
and Leon Dreisaitl is a 50, you know, 50 point scorer as well. It's like, you know, what the hell you're, you know, you're building something and can't get past the, the finals is tough. Right with you. So that's, I think the abs, abs are going to do it in five. I say they split in Tampa and then they go back to Colorado, win it there. I say that's six. my bold prediction here. I say six, six. You say the abs take it in Tampa. Six. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, I see a world where both happen because the Bolts are like they even handled text to me. RIP, Chris handled sad after the Rangers got bounced. He goes, I told you Tampa Bay sucks. They can't move the puck. And then after he said that, it was just I need the I need the Bills reasons. to win the Super Bowl next year because like oh because the Yankees well, we're gonna transition into baseball. The Yankees are Coming They're in cooking. hot. I still would love a Subway Series, World Series, which would be incredible. I'm still all in on that. I'm, I'm all in. I'm rooting for that. Um, but I need a Bills. I need a Bills Super Bowl for a fucking wellness check, or we're going to lose a writer. <laughs> well, then it's uh, the Bills Super Bowl is at my expense. <laughs> because <laughs> I know we he, he's going to jump off. Not enough. Us. Not seriously, Spotify and Anchor. I promise he's not. He's He's okay. But... But yeah, no, seriously though, uh, I I don't know. He needs a championship. He needs one because this is this is getting brutal. Or and when the Mets... are, at least they're not shitty teams anymore. I know they're all good. All his three teams. So, I'm just gonna do it. <laughs> I gotta do it. <laughs> gotta do it. Uh, baseball. Um, I mean, there's not much to say other than the Yankees are cooking right now. They're 49 and 17. Um, I'm pretty sure at present, well, we are recording right now they are mowing down the rays it's one nothing top of the seven that's it yeah you would have thought on twitter everybody's like oh my god they're kicking their ass well i got i had a so bronx tales obviously my weekly blog about the yankees coming into before the past two series it was going to be a tough stretch for yankees so 20 games in 20 days but they had their first half of it was fucking crazy. It was three against the Rays, three against the Blue Jays, three against the Rays, four against the Astros. Those are your teams that you need to beat. Obviously I'm like, if they walk away 500, you still have a comfortable league lead. You're doing great. They swept the Rays and then took two or three out of the Blue Jays and lost like 10, nine yesterday. It was kind of like, yeah, that was, so that was a shitty loss. Yeah, like, and I, I understand like, you can't win them all. You, you listen, it's, it's baseball. Your luck runs dry. You lose a game. Great. That's pretty fucking demeaning though. You lose, you're up yeah. eight, three, you lose 10, nine. You just can't lose baseball games like that. You we can lose, lose baseball games. Yeah. It's not that one. Yeah. And the bullpen imploded. It happens. I'm not like, gonna like, you know, be too concerned. Yeah, it, whatever. It is a what flash it is. in the pan. But I have some wild stats for you. So before the show, we talked about the run differential. Yes. Um, in the American League, the second best run differential is 53 runs, and that is owned by the Astros. The Yankees have 143. Yeah, they've scored I, the, I gasped. They've scored the second most runs in all of baseball, eight behind the Mets at 340, and they've let the least amount of runs scored at 197. They haven't even let up 200 runs yet. Yeah, I mean, that's a nod to their pitching, which is like, I got into a big debate with this over my or with my grandfather the other day. 
is it sustainable is the question because Yankee pitchers have never for the past five years or so they've never all clicked at the same time. Yeah. And now they're sort of, I would, I would say they're doing it. It fits the criteria. Cole is the laggard here. Isn't yeah. that crazy? And he's not playing bad baseball. No, he's not. He's, he's actually not. pitching pretty well. And but. it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, my fear is like they're peaking at the wrong time, but they built such a lead and the momentum's there. They're not slowing down. I don't know. And we've seen in the past, you know, and we'll probably talk about this soon in terms of trade deadline stuff. Like these, obviously like there's not much the Yankees need to do, but you always need to, you know, be there. And some insurance. I think they're going to go for a six, a six starter. And the time has told before they've done this. If you really, if you, if you go back the past few years, the teams like the 2017 Yankees and, uh, I think 2018, you know, the, like they started making the playoff runs. They picked up a guy to be a lengthy starter, a Jaime Garcia, a Jay uh, Happ, a Sonny Gray, a Lance Lynn, where it's like everyone was already firing all cylinders, but let's get some insurance. So I think it can't they, hurt. I mean, worst comes to worst. You just stick your worst starter in the pen. You give them, you know, somebody implodes in the second inning. You just put them in, you know, but that could also be a Domingo when he comes back. I'm not optimistic about him. Yeah. But going back to like the, you know, the leaderboard and stuff, this was a tweet from Katie Sharp stats. So the Yankees have the most comeback wins in MLB and they also have the fewest comeback losses in all of the league as well. So what that pretty much means is when you're watching a Yankee game, you're watching the safest lead or the least safe lead in baseball. Yeah. That's absurd. So, yeah, like, so like if the Yankees are winning, they have the safest lead. And if they're losing, the opponent has the least safe lead. Correct. That's fucking crazy. It's insane. And then the one stat that's just like so wild about this lead. So, like we said, Yankees are 49 and 17. They win tonight. They're 50 and 17. That's like a 0.75 winning percentage, right? They have an 11 game lead over the Blue Jays in second place. The Rays are 13 the Boston Red Sox are 13 and a half games back. If you go around each division, and this is going to blow your mind, the Twins are the first in the Central. 11 games behind them is the fourth place Tigers at 26 and 40. Yeah. The Astros are first in the West at 41 and 25. 10 games back at 31 and 35 are the Rangers. 13 games back are the Mariners in fourth place at 29 and 39. National League, Mets are the head of the NL East. 14 games back are the Marlins, 29 and 36. The Cardinals, first place in the Central, 38 and 30. 12 games back are the Cubs at 26 and 41. 14 games back are the Reds at 23 and 43. You go to the West, one of the most competitive divisions as well. Dodgers are first place at 40 and 25. 11 games back is the last place Rockies at 30 and 37. There are teams that will not make the postseason even sniff it. They are at the last place fighting for first round pick, the, the number one overall pick. And they have closer leads or the same lead in games back than the Yankees do from second, first and second place. Yeah, that's, that's absurd. And if you look right now at the wild card, your American League wild card is the Blue Jays, the Guardians, the Rays, and a half game back are the Red Sox. I know. That's crazy. The Sox are in fourth place, and they might get in. There's a chance that four teams out of the American least 
American League East are in the playoffs and the Yankees are the comfortable number one by far. And that's got to be, that's got to be demoralizing for the Blue Jays, Rays and Red Sox, where it's like, they're playing good baseball too. And they cannot catch up. I agree. We, we've talked about it with the small state, big takes guys. You talked about it last week with them. It's world series or bust at this point. It is. is. You don't want a world series with this team. I don't know what it takes. I really don't. There's no solution. This is what the Yankees were supposed to do. They were supposed to go out and dominate. They were supposed to go get Aaron Judge to hit 30 billion homers like he's been doing. I think he's, is he at 30 yet? It's close. Judge, 25. 25. He still leads it by four. He's going to get there by the all-star break. He's going to get 60 this year. I think so. If he can get 35 by the all-star break too, that's pushing it, but... But holy shit, to walk into the All-Star break, 35 homers for him, that's that'd be something else. World Series or bust, that's my final answer, Alex. Um, yeah, this is a – the sky is the limit if they keep pushing it. Yeah, and I hope, like, this is the year where, you know, management realizes that. And they've put together a good team. There's obviously still pieces that you can improve on. You have a comfortable enough lead where you can like try things out, but you know, I would love another outfielder. I would love an Andrew Benatendi, but Gallo and Hicks kind of stepped it up. They're putting the ball in play a lot. I would love insurance in the infield. Glaber Torres is playing like an all-star. I would love a number one. I mean, he, he stepped up this year. I would love a number one catcher. Jose Trevino is a number one catcher and Higashioka stepped it up again too. I would love more bullpen pitching. Clay Holmes hasn't let up a run in 30 innings. You know, you're doing something right when Mariano Rivera calls you and says, Hey, congrats. You know, and like year after year, we always say at the deadline, you know, we hate when Cashman pulls, well, reinforcements are coming. You know, when a guy comes off the IL, I'm looking forward to guys like Chapman, Britton, Loisica, Domingo Herman to come back. I think he's right this year. You know, I'm looking. I think he's in the to... wrong if he gives up significant assets to get somebody. I think that's wrong. I, you know? I honestly think that's wrong. But like, if it comes down where you know we got to add something, I mean, they keep finding diamonds in the rough too. Matt Carpenter, Matt fucking Carpenter, dude. I wouldn't say he's a diamond in the rough. I'd say he's like you know a maybe a. a a worn out piece of silver that you're getting the ultimate use from you. I love this guy. It's, 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 it's crazy with him because it's like, he, you know, had a, he was probably one of the, I would put him in the top 15, top 10 guys in the, in the mid to late two thousands in the 2010s. Yeah. So he came uh, 2011. He came up. He was 2010 class act. He came up that year. He didn't qualify for a ring because of service time. They gave him one anyway. Yeah. Because they're like, hey, you won us a World Series, dude. Here you go. And it's like he was a hot bat, one of the best, one of the top hitters in the National League. And he fell into a skid, lost his time with the Cardinals, and, um, you know, learned, called up Joey Votto. He gave him a three-hour hitting lesson, fucking went to AAA, swallowed his pride, and now he's on the Yankees smashing hits. Yep. So crazy it's crazy it's crazy so world series are bust world, world series, series are bust. bust on the other side jeter downs comes up for the red sox okay 
<laughs> yeah. I do have one good, uh, a good feel good story though, about, uh, you know, we're talking about old heads and stuff. Yes. Did you hear about Lorenzo Cain? Um, well, I saw him something. Ha- he just got DFA'd. Right? So he got DFA'd and it was, the writing was in the wall for a while. The Brewers waited until he reached 10, day, 10 years of MLB service so he can collect his pension. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That, that's good. Class act. Yeah. But I think he, he won a ring with uh, the Royals, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, 2015 he probably won, right? I think he was part of that, that Royals crew. Well, let's find out. He's 36 years old. And yeah, he won in 2015. Two-time All-Star. He won a gold glove like two years ago. Yeah. Pretty good. He won a field uh three fielding Bible awards. Nice. He'll probably get picked up somewhere. Yeah, maybe. He's just having a yeah, I guess so. He's having who's, a bad year. That's all. Who's the Yankees hitting coach? Oh shit. Um He's got a funky name. I think it's like the Matt Blake. I mean, anyone who talks to Matt Blake is now a Cy Young. So yes. Oh, it's uh, it's Dylan Lawson. Yeah. Anyone who talks to Dylan Lawson is going to be a fucking, you know, silver slugger. Yeah. He, uh, where the hell did he come from? He was a minor league hitting quarter a coordinator and then they promoted him. It's like a huge jump, but whatever. He's doing well. And our minor league teams always like hammered the ball. Think about last year with like Hoy Park, you know? Yeah. Hoy Park, we're like, fuck, why don't we just give him the time? Who the fuck is Clay Holmes? This guy isn't good. <laughs> that was a great trade, too. Mike Talkman, he was, we got guys hurt now. We need him. Who the fuck is Wandy Peralta? Michael K was just talking about that the other day. He goes, How the mighty have fallen. Mike Talkman, not even on the radar. Yeah. Everyone's like, who the fuck is IKF? You know, we need squid. Velasquez was so good. He's not very well. He's not hitting. He's not hitting the ball at all. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, Velasquez and Wade. Well, Wade's having a good year. Wade's having a good year, but on a shitty team that just can their manager. I feel that team, you know, there's some um, ambiguity now with uh, Otani. He's going to be on the market. I don't know if he leaves LA. He they said, don't give said, him the bag. He said, he's like, I want to win. But the Angels are at an impasse because it's like, you have a very clear choice. It's pay Shohei Otani or basically relocate your franchise. Like, I don't, understand, I don't understand the Angels because it's like, they. I just don't think they know how to spend money. I don't know what it is. It just, because they, Rendon is out now for the rest of the year. That sucks. And he's on a monster bag. And, and he had 228 and nothing to show for it. You know, they obviously have done it in the past with guys like Pujols, Hamilton, Upton. Um, they're paying Syndergaard 20-something million dollars a year. Mike Trout's on half a billion-dollar contract. Otani's going to be a billion-dollar contract probably. I don't know. I don't know. Wrote a blog on this a couple weeks ago. If Madden can't squeeze the life out of this team, I just don't know who can. I can't name you a single other mind in baseball that's like, that's the guy. There probably is. Maybe there's Shout a guy. Shout out Phil Nevin, is... though. Shout out Phil Nevin. Uh, sure. Hey, he got the, he got the, he got a job. Yeah. Good for him, I guess. 
That's cool. That's a polite way of saying you got fucking fired from the Yankees last year, though. Yeah, well. Okay, you sent too many dudes. I mean. <laughs> I love Luis Rojas coaching third. He fucking did lose us the wild card game, I'm going to say. Well, Garrett Cole did too, but. Mostly Garrett Cole. We're not going to have that because we're not playing a wild card. We're being fucking at home with the number one seed. And hopefully the game will start on time to the second for Garrett Cole. Or fucking no, it's going to start for Nestor. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> no, it'll, I mean, it'll, it, it's, you know, again, I'm not, I don't like to speak before things happen and stuff. And I'm not, you know, we joke about World Series and everything, but like that's where the momentum's going. Yeah. In a playoff series, I really do think it's going to be Garrett Cole, Nestor, and then I put Tyone. Yeah, Tyone, but maybe Montgomery to mix it up too. Yeah. I, I you can't even count out Sevy. Sevy has the experience. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's a vexing thing. It's like, well, you got to have Cole go every four, you know, you got to have only four starters basically, but, but damn. Monty can be a long ball. And so could Sevy. Yeah. Monty's been, he hasn't been striking guys out this year, but he just, he, the guy has a, hasn't let up more than three runs his entire career. I know he's been getting guys out and he's been getting out of big situations, but he just doesn't strike guys out. That's okay. You don't have to yeah. strike guys out. You know, it sucks. Monty, we have until next year. He's a uh, Scott Boris client. Oh, he's gonna, he'll go somewhere else. He's, he's totally fine with going back to you know, crystal balls, Atlanta. Crystal ball for him is Atlanta in two years. He'll spend the rest of his career, maybe go to the playoffs a couple times. He's going to get the bag. I think he will. I mean, why wouldn't you? He's a big, tall, 6'5 or 6'6 lefty. Yeah. Fuck it. You put a yeah, few yeah. miles an hour on his pitch, he could become a good, good player. I don't want to worry about next year because, no. you know, there's it's this way, year. It's this year, and there's way too many question marks next year when it's like Rizzo is probably going to opt out. That's dumb, though. Dude, the guy's going to get a bag somewhere. I hope he stays because I love Rizzo. I, I don't think it. he's going to opt out. He like had a few better offers apparently, but he's like, yeah, fuck it. I'll go play for the Yankees. Yeah. Who knows? Judge. I don't know. I don't want to talk about judge. Yeah. He doesn't want to talk contracts. So we're not talking either. Yeah. Just, I want to win. I want to win. I want to go <laughs> to a parade with my friends so bad. I would like to see some ticker tape. I want to so, so bad. It's like, this is like, if you can name any, like, any sports team like this is it this is it this this absolutely is it I, it's I like oh we've got to make arrangements to go too it's like oh no if they win we're got like that no, is i'm saying go to a game oh yeah yeah well that too uh, all of it that too just the bronx from up here is such a pain in the ass it's true this is it's true. like then you have to go like go to fenway which is fine but <laughs> Yankees World Series. Yankees World. That's our show. We talked a lot of Yankees today. This was long. I just want it so bad. <laughs> Look so at you. You're the perfect no, it's just like we've been deprived for too long. I know it's been. I can't like I can't go to sleep if I'm like the Yankees won the World Series when we were twelve. And it's one of those things where like they're doing so well, and like. You're not supposed to read any of the negative comments, even with your own work, but just in general. And it's just like, oh, like they're not going to do anything. First round exit. And I'm like, why can't we just fa-? like, I wish we can 
fast forward to October. I agree. Which is it's like all this winnings and fun and all, but like that's why you have to play the whole season, though. I know. I know. It's not even half over. No. No. Any okay, over. wait, before we go, any all-star predictions? What on who gets the nod? Like Yankees making an all-star team. Well, I think Judge is the obvious one. I think fucking Nestor. I think Nestor gets the start. That's absurd. What world do we live in? How does it work though with like like how many people make it? Is it like a 25 man? No, they change the rules every time. I know like one person from every team has to go, but like I was I was doing my ballot the other day and um I kind of have like I think Jose Trevino might be like a backup catcher. I like if you look at the numbers. Catching does suck this year, though. Like Alex Alejandro Kirk from the, the Blue Jays is the starter, but like I do think Jose Trevino could be second. That's wild. Yeah, because there's just nobody good catching this year. Gary's not doing that well. Um, so it's Judge, it's Nestor. I think Rizzo can get in as a backup. He's just like a fan favorite. He's not even playing that well. Like he's doing fine. He's hitting homers, getting on base, but like he's not. His average sucks. His average isn't terrible. It's like 220. MLB, MLB All-Star. 230 maximum. Let's just look at this first base. So you have the guy, Areyes from the Twins, batting 361 with an 882 OPS, 21 RBIs, and three home runs. You have Ty France... 314, 10 yeah, home he's, runs. He's been great this year. Vladdy Jr., obviously, 266, 17, 41, 864 OPS. Rizzo's yeah, batting 240 know. with 19 home runs, 49 oh, is it 240 now? That's actually yeah. pretty good. And an 868. So I don't know if he'll get in, especially with guys like Mountcastle. You know, he, he might. He might. Yeah. I think Glaber Torres has a chance. He's... Glaber Torres batting 268, 13 home runs, 32 RBIs, 840 OPS. He's better than Trevor Story, Marcus Simeon, Jonathan Shoup, Jorge Polanco, Rugnet Odor, Whit Merrifield, Brandon Lowe, Tony Kemp, Josh Harrison, Adam Frazier. Brandon Lowe's hurt. Um... He is actually batting better than Altuve. Who, Lau? No, Torres. Oh. All right. Not by much, but... Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I think the pitching, though, I think we get... I think it's uh, Mike King. I think it's Clay Holmes. I think you can honestly make an argument for any of the starters not named Cole. I think Cole probably gets in as a fan favorite. Could. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about this closer to, well, next week probably. Too. Next We're going to have to talk about it because we'll, we'll probably have the Derby ballot. and stuff. And I would like to talk some best bets for Derby. Aaron Judge will not be in it. 
I doubt it. Yeah. No, he already said no. Oh, all right. Yeah, I figured as such. That'll be next week. We'll do some derby bets. Hopefully the field's finalized or whenever we get the field, we'll because the all-star game's coming up. So mm-hmm. there's gotta be some fun props we could take on the all-star game. But we'll MVP, see. MVP. Yeah. We'll see. MVP, yeah, that's definitely gotta be one. Nestor. <laughs> For one inning. <laughs> I'll take it. Oh goodness. There's gotta be like, will Yankees record over under three and a half strikeouts? Because you got to think Holmes goes an inning and Nestor goes one. I don't know. We'll save that. We'll save that. All right. Long episode 90, but you earned it. We're back. That's Will and I'm Jake. So long, everybody. Take it easy. Take it easy.